Coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we say goodbye to the Halle SM tournament and think about what the future may hold. Plus, we continue our previews with the Group B teams from the men's and women's Super Pessis. That's Vimpoli, Yumiusit, Aliarvi, and Koskin Korva, plus Pesakarhut, Ferra, and Taka Ladies. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup Podcast. Welcome to episode 37 of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Ian Albert, and joining me as ever is our guru on all things Pes Apollo. It's Mikko Piranen. Mikko, how are you doing? Great to be back in Finland. I mean, I loved it in South Asia, but now with uh, a lot of experiences once again in my back and uh, bunch of stories great to be back here and uh, you can actually sense it when you talk to people in Finland that they are in a little bit different mindset of course the spring is coming and everybody is sensing that the games are getting closer so yeah it's an exciting time of the year yeah, we're, we're moving towards that summer and I can't wait for the regular season. Um, the county uh, championship cricket uh, has started in England and Wales as well. So I've been watching my beloved Lancashire as well um, today. Um, so just a, a few quick pointers on the news before we start looking at our uh, previews for our Group B in the men's and women's uh, teams for this year. Um, there wasn't much in the, in the news, actually, uh, in the last couple of weeks, but there was a, a couple of interesting stories I wanted to talk about. The first obvious one was the fact that we're going to be saying goodbye to Harley SM, and it's going to be uh, replaced by a winter Super Pisces tournament. Um, the suggestion is that it'll be played over a longer period of time, perhaps from December through to April. There'll be more games that are being played. I did wonder kind of what the scope would be. I really do hope, as we've seen occasionally, um, some of the practice games that we've had between Super Pesis and Urkus Pesis teams. I love seeing those, and I think it's an interesting matchup sometimes. It's great to um, help people progress and, and give them a sense of where they stand overall in terms of performance. How far is that leap between uh, Urkus Pesis and Super Pesis? Because otherwise, they don't they don't really get to to showcase that. Um, Mikko, what was your view on the news? I was a little torn. I mean, I think that in the beginning, it will take a while before it actually finds its natural place. Uh, 
we all know that the infrastructure has been getting better. We have more arenas, in indoor arenas, where to play. Uh, the surfaces are different and the games will be different. But I think the direction is definitely right. And I would also love to see like a realistic program that would get teams and superposis teams to play against each other and in that way also getting Ukkospesis up a notch uh, which it needs and it has been going into that direction actually and when that happens then we're talking about huge things for the sport uh, as for what it does for the top teams, I, I think that rotation is something. Getting new players in is is a big thing. I don't know. We we will see what kind of benefits we will be reaping from that. But I I think that the direction is right, and I'm I'm like slightly enthusiastic about it maybe <laughs> yeah um th- that's that's pretty much how i feel as well that there's there's some kind of it could be something really good and and like i say i'd love to see more games between ocus Pesis and, and super Pesis teams uh, one of the things i think that could benefit super Pesis teams is that you get to try out something new maybe you want to um, completely change your lineup, completely change um, fielding positions, patterns, tactics, those kind of things. Th- there's nothing at stake, you know. It, it's it's like spring training in 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 baseball. You know, you can you can just go through um, your playbook. You can just go through things, try things out. Um, and if you're up against an Urkaspesis side, for example. You can rotate players, you can try out new players, you can um, put them in interesting situations and positions and see see how they cope. So I like those kind of ideas. The thing that really did worry me, though, um, was when they were talking about there being more games. I worry about it going too far the other way, because I know in recent years in particular we've seen a lot of um, players... Uh, burning out and and uh, suffering with fatigue and exhaustion. Uh, Lauri Rönke is uh, is a key example for for me. Um, he's back now this year and and uh, looking great. But the kind of physical and mental exhaustion. And we know that these these are people with jobs <laughs> as well as having to play uh, and the demands of the club as well. What I don't want to see is the whole of the winter being taken up by competitive and intense games. Now, I know that pretty much, uh, give it, give or take a month or so after uh, the end of the season, training starts again and things like that. But there is a difference between, between that and the more competitive elements. And I, I would hate to see that kind of pressure weighing heavy on people. In that regard, I completely agree. 
Although I don't think that those players who have been struggling with fatigue, when we're talking about adults like Laura Rönke, uh, Emma Körke, for example, I don't think that those kind of players would be playing that much in those games anyway. But for me, it would be more about... Developing young players, of course. And more games should also... or And when I say should, I, I say that financially it also has to mean that the teams will also get some income. Like the people actually come to see the games and the, the and the infrastructure actually allows that to happen so that will be a factor also in in, in these games because uh, if they are just something that you put your money on like in developing young players it sounds good in theory but i know that realistically there are not a lot of clubs that can put that kind of money into that even though it would like they would be the ones to who get the benefits but it's not that simple yeah well the the running costs and things is a, is another point that that you raise i know for a fact that the transportation costs over the last year skyrocketed. They were, they were really high due to um, the hike in oil prices and petrol prices going up. And, um, you know, you're dealing with clubs that are pretty much even uh, in terms of their finances. They break even. They don't, they don't make whopping great profits if they make profits at all. Um, they're very, very small. So those little things, and if there's there's pressures on clubs to to transport as well, the financial side of it is going to be a big drawback too. So nice idea, great sounding, but let's see the details before we start um, rushing to uh, to judge it any deeper. Um, speaking of judges. Uh, that brings us to the second story. Now, as a lawyer, I'm intrigued by this. But as a sports fan, I'm appalled. Um, it's uh, Tony Kohonen has lodged a claim in the civil courts against Mansa Pepe for breach of contract. Um, Miko, you're talking to somebody here who has read US Supreme Court documents when he was bored. Um, so the legal side of these things, as I say, it really does uh, interest me. But as as somebody who's worked in the sport, surely you you're appalled by by th- this having to be an issue in the first place. I should be, I should be appalled, <laughs> but but I'm not. <laughs> in in fact, I'm I'm just completely intrigued by it. And at the same time, I absolutely despise it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know that I'm I'm kind of contradicting myself here, but uh, I mean, when you come come think of it, now here is the chance to get things clear that 
what actually happened and it's not like uh it's not a one-off in this sport and in any sport like in finland but it is definitely the biggest one in in pesapallo and in at, at least in my life lifetime and i i assumed that i would have heard of if there would be an earlier one if we exclude the fixed game scandal 25 years ago but as as a case itself i'm not like i, I i'm not the expert here but but for me there are some very very interesting facts and i noticed one of the first things that i noticed is that Tony Kohonen will be represented by the Rochestone of Finland Sports, who is Olle Rauste. He's the, he's like he's the go-to guy when when you when you want anything regarding Finnish sports and somebody's comments about it. Yeah, there's you know that there's always somebody in every country that gives they they are asked for an opinion and Olle Rauste is the guy and now he's representing Tony Kohonen which is saying something and that should actually if I would be in Mansa Pepe's shoes that would apply some pressure to to my end even though I'm not gonna like a lot of things things here will be hearsay that is for sure but once again i don't know the only thing that i know is that tony kohonen is one of the few ones who has the capacity as an individual to pull this kind of thing off to actually challenge the whole like organization to or not the whole organization but just say that no they it did not go legally like correct in a correct way and i don't know it's uh i would at the same time i would want it to be already a foregone conclusion but but at the same time i'm just <laughs> i'm just getting my popcorn ready So, <laughs> so so there we go. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, I always take a, a lot of life lessons from the Godfather film. So th- this one for me would be um, never let anyone outside the family know what you're thinking. Um, but yeah, it's 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 quite a quite an odd um, scenario because. <sighs> I mean, I've 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 met Tony as much as I've seen him, and I've I've shook his hand when I was at Italansi in twenty twenty one. That's it. But I could have written this down on a piece of paper and hid it in an envelope, sealed it, and pulled it out at this point and says, "Tony sues Mansa for breach of contract," because this is how it was progressing, and and Tony is the kind of character who is not to disappear he'll he'll take it all the way if he has to um so it's it's an interesting story i would like 
to focus more on the sport than the uh, than the drama of these things. But um, there we are. We'll see how it all unfolds. Yeah, I mean, one thing that needs to be taken at least into consideration here, and the one that I've been uh, thinking about myself is that there's always two sides to each coin and that is very much the case here too that uh, there is a reason why Kohonen is doing this but I don't think that it's as simple as it may sound or hear like, like at this point so I don't think we have uh, I said before uh, I think I said in the early one in one of the earlier shows that we have not seen or heard the last of this yet, and I think that this will like this has all the potential to <laughs> be drawn out in, into real some kind of a reality TV series with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't documentaries about it, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm up here for it. So, all good. Yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting. Um, in my job, you you see all sorts of cases, and you think, well, I think I know everything, and then you you hear what the other side has got to say, and you think, ah, well, maybe it's not so clear. Maybe it's not so clear cut, and all these interesting things uh, come out of the woodwork, as it were. So we'll have to wait and see. It promises to be something that'll rumble on for a while. I know um, court cases often do take quite some time to resolve anyway. Um, but we'll see how those things go. Um, so those are the two news stories that I wanted to talk about uh, this episode. Uh, we'll move straight on now to our previews. Now, first up, we're dealing with the men's group B uh, from this year's Harley SM. Last Harley SM, as it turns out. Um, the first team uh, I want to talk about, probably don't need to spend too long on them, because it's the same team as it was last year, and it's the same team uh, that won the championship last year, and that's Vimpoli. Um has Vimpley reached perfection, uh, Miko? <laughs> well, that's yeah. No, 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 they have. <laughs> but but they are like they obviously they set the benchmark now, and they they have done it in a way that that really like. It forces the rest of the pack to rethink things that was this a one-off or are things changed fundamentally so that each and every organization needs to think about the thing the way that they approach the game so that they would get not just close but but actually they would actually overcome 
Wimbley. I mean, the structure that Wimbley has in place, it was not, it was not just like put there overnight. It, and that it's like, it is no different from, say, Sotkamo, Hyvinkä, uh, Joensu, Kovola, where they do absolutely magnificent work with with the youth and they have such like such an amazing coaching system and such a like it it is also like it is a known fact that they 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 put in a, like a brutal amount of work in in Vimpeli. And it's it's this kind of a mill that you you need to go through that uh, not everybody makes it, but those who do, they they come out of it like extra strong. So it's kind of <laughs> these these Navy Seals that put on this <laughs> Veto uniform in the end. They are they are actually like as we saw last time I did they have all it takes to put in that kind of a season and now that they were actually able to make it they took the last step also and they were just man i mean throughout the season we just saw little little blips here and there but nothing not 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 a single major like red flag and there is not a major red flag to be seen so and they they have not reached perfection but they have what they have reached is that they have reached an individual approach the to each player's uh, training which is uh, in in every sense of uh, like both in how much uh, workload they put on in ev- on every player and how they recover from that both physically and mentally. I mean, I I wanted to dig deep into this and I could go on about this for <laughs> for for ages, but. But some details, some some things that they they do on top of that hard work, and then when you put in the tactics and you get in the players who might not be like physically the best. Uh, well, now we're talking about like for example the pitcher, like Temukinon, and nobody thought of him as uh, nothing but a like a. Well, nothing but, but it, I I thought of him as an capable top six team pitcher, and he turned out to be an amazing game manager for a team that had all the like they had all the pieces together, and and they they were they were not just like. A, group of individuals but they were they they actually 
were far more detailed than any team that I've seen in quite a few years. So they, it's it's going to take a lot to overcome that. But uh, but yeah, that that is one of the most fascinating, if not the most fascinating thing, that how close and in what ways the other teams will try to do that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's the the real question this year. It's not uh, who's going to be at the top. It's can anybody have, uh, reach and catch up with, with where, where Vimpley set the bar last year. Um, it's very interesting you, you, you talk about um, Duncan, and of course he, he'd come from, from Sipa. Obviously, um, in a team below... Uh, or put, that were performing below uh, the standard he could pitch at, but then to make that leap into to Vimpoli and then actually go on to win the championship was was really interesting to see. And Vimpoli always had the tools in defence, and Temelkinen managed to marshal that into uh, an incredible defence during the the season. So it's going to be interesting to see. How those other teams catch up? I know we've already talked uh, last week about uh, uh, Mansa and uh, um, and KPL. Um, for me, I think Vimpley will finish in the regular season first, possibly second. I think it's going to be a stretch for for some of the other teams to consistently uh, keep up with them. But when it's playoffs, any anything could happen. Um, so that's my thoughts at Miko you it's hard to set aside like uh set aside the fact that they were so ultra consistent like for the whole of last year and how they did it by having like in the end, in, in playoffs, having players like Mikko Kanala, who, who could and should be player of the year multiple times at this point of his career, uh, he was playing at number seven. So they had like, they had the, that kind of uh, depth also. So, so it's competing against that is is possible and they are the one who are targeted and they are the one who are analyzed the most and they are the ones who like it, yeah it, I, I think that staying on top it is it is going to take another amazing season but predicting that they would drop below two uh, in regular season right now seems like I I would not put my money on it. So uh, moving then from uh, Vimpoli to last year's Urkaspesis champions, uh, Ali Arvi. Um, 
A couple of uh, of changes, a few um, Super Pesis players signed uh, Sasuivarinen uh, from IPV, Ata Korsmanen uh, from uh, Sotkamo, and uh, Rikulutanen from uh, Yumiusid. Generally, this team has kept its sort of same core from uh, from Urkuspesis. The the signings they've got they're they're okay should give them a little bit of a boost but Miko this is this is a team perhaps who weren't necessarily expecting promotion last year they were hoping for it and they got it but I think a lot of people were expecting Roland Lippo to really be the team that would be coming up um, in fact they almost missed out. Uh, in promotion in that final series against Tamina, um, but for uh, an epic comeback on on their part, um, they they would have still been in Urkus basis. So, Miko, is is this a team that's ready? Will they be staying up? It's hard to see them being ready. I mean, the the leap is it is enormous, and even. Even if you get like bigger names with with bigger money, it, it would still be it will still take a lot. I mean, it is. I mean, I mean, uh, kudos to them. I'm for get, getting promotion, but I know that. If I think about the teams that have come up from similar kind of scenarios over the years that they were not necessarily like expected to be promoted. And now that I look at the team and the players who are there, I, I would say that they have uh something between from between four and six uh players who are ready for super passes as of now the most interesting name that has uh caught my eye this winter is uh the pitcher Buru Alanen uh the brother of Petre Alanen from Tarko by the way so is uh he is he, he he was supposed to actually uh he he was supposed to be the one who would be ready like to take this leap first and then he wasn't even like pitching last year for most of the year he was playing as a choker and uh but now the now that he's been pitching in the winter, let's see what happens, what kind of plans they have for the for the summer, I don't know. Uh the they cannot sustain a lot of a lot of injuries for sure. There are teams that they are capable of playing against, but overall this is a team that needs to pick their fight so to say i mean it it is realistic that uh if if they take that what is it's like uh 
10, 15, 20 kilometers to Vimpeli. If they go there and get something, then I will tip my hat and tip it higher. Uh, or if they go to Sotkamo or Kovola and get something from there. So then I will say that, wow, I mean, then Ukkaspasis is has taken not just a notch, they have taken a leap. And I, I'm not like putting Ukkaspasis down in any way. They have actually taken up several notches in in the last over the last two years but but yeah uh i will i would say that avoiding relegation would be a great achievement Mm. well i i look at the teams that are going to or likely to be hovering around that relegation zone and you think of um like at Koskan Korva, possibly Yumiusid, possibly IPV even uh, Aliarvi don't stand out really as a team that are likely to be able to to see those teams off. Especially now um Kankampa have uh, been relegated from last year. They they had a real uh, struggle last year. Um, Ali Arvi, looking at the stats from last year, they only scored the fourth highest number of runs in Urka Spaces. And of course, it's going to be a lot harder to score runs against you know, the really good defences like we were talking about. Um, Vimpoli, obviously, Sotkamo making those strides forward in defence last year. Mansa, you've got some great um, key players there still. Uh, and of course KPL. So the, against the big teams, the runs are going to be pretty much non-existent. If they manage them, it's like you say, it's got to be some kind of very good tactics or some some really smart thinking and 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 play. Sometimes even a bit of luck <laughs> may play a part. But yeah, I I get the impression that this is a team that's that's going to be coming up. And likely to be going down at the end of of next season. Um, if they make it, if they if they stay up, then it's a, a, an incredible achievement. But I think that's as high as their hopes really are. So uh, at the moment, I have them as dead last in in the league in my my view. Miko, they are in that list of teams that you just mentioned. If I'm being politically politically correct here but i mean yes it is all about winning the right games that is that is what i meant earlier and since i don't think there will be one one team as of now like separating from the pack in a negative way i i think that there there will be a dogfight between several teams and then like getting three points from a key game, for example, in a home home game against a rival, get a couple of scores coming your way, then who knows? Because I I, I think that the the amount of points that it is taken to steer steer clear of the relegation zone this year might be lower actually when you take a look at the like the 
players that play in those four teams that you mentioned, for example. So uh, two or three three point wins from those games, and any anybody anyone could be strong. But but yes, I'm I'm with you on this one. So uh, moving then from Aljarvi to Koskan Korva, um, again we've we've seen some moves, but it's it's kind of in a downward uh, pattern for Koskan Korva. Um, lost a, a few players. Um, Vileveko Olli has gone to IPV. Otto Kalpinen has gone to uh, Kite, as has uh, Akuketanen. Um, Vileveikoski has gone to. Um, Patioki and Tony Latvala has uh, gone to uh, Yumiusit as well. So no no players coming in that I can see on the um, uh, on the website <laughs> uh, as being registered as transfers. So is this a team that we're we're seeing sort of diminished as that their uh, player pool is is looking a bit thin now? Their hopes rest on Ante Kosisto, the game manager. A born and bred Kosken Korva player, a legend from his playing career, uh, who has approached coaching and being a game manager with the kind of attitude that I really admire and I believe in him as a game manager and as a coach. So... He, I mean, he has shown a signs of of this required humble attitude towards coaching from a top player, uh, from being a top player, and uh, it it doesn't mean that, like I said in the earlier, like the previous one of the previous shows, I think it was the last one, uh, that. Being a top player doesn't make you a top coach, but he has become a top coach and he really is that. And he he made his way through the women's superpasses as a game manager and developed, like, took leaps. And I think that he's the one they rely on. He's the one, he's one of their own. And he's, like... I'm I'm sorry. I did my homework really bad for this because I didn't check how many Italasi games he has on his belt. But it's a lot, and he has won the championships and stuff like that. So uh, that is the thing. They it is a fresh start for for the organization, and now now they will. Now that we'll see, they are, they will also be battling against relegation. But if the tactics, if the outfield, especially, and the game management, if they click, then they may stand a chance. I wouldn't rule them out. Mm. And I think 
going back to Ali Arvi a little bit here, I think that's the kind of difference between those two teams that that could mean everything. I mean, you talk about uh, a, a very accomplished game manager. It it just takes that kind of edge that will keep them ahead of a team like Ali Arvi. Uh, the bigger problem, I suppose, is um, the number of fans in the in the stands. Their their average home attendance last year was only five hundred and ninety six people. And when you think back, um, not that long ago, you know this was a team in the playoffs, uh, fans rushing to the stands to go in, and see them, and it's it's sort of dropping off and. As a club, they're going to have to try and think of something to to bring those those people back to the stands because the the kind of atmosphere and the kind of um, finances, of course, that the, these fans bring are really going to be important for this team, uh, not just in terms of its overall um, survival, but also. Who who wants to go and play when nobody's coming to watch you? <laughs> There's a psychological element there for the players too, and I I really hope that they can they can turn it around. They managed to stave off that relegation last year. Um, they went into the uh, qualifying uh, series against Harmina and they they managed to stay up. Um, but this is a team that that's very much in that zone at the bottom of the table. Um, I really do hope they get to turn it around. I'd love to see more people back in the stands. Um, but Miko, what what can this team really hope for this year? Avoiding relegation, getting those people to actually believe in this team again and getting back to the stands because because it's their own club, it's their, and those are their boys. And if you allow me to be a, a bit nostalgic here for for a moment, uh, when they when they got promoted uh, to Superpasis, and we're talking about somewhere around uh, the turn of millennium, uh, Ante Kuzesto was one of the players who was in his twenties. And when they when they got promoted, and he was the up and rising star, and they got like fast, uh, they they got this. Uh, well, one person who was actually funding the organization, and it's still actually this uh, the pitch in Koskengorova is the only privately funded. A pitch in <laughs> in superpasses and I, I don't know if it's the only privately funded one in any in any like series or in on any level but they had some they had some amazing players and uh, like amazing like Kosken Korva playing on Friday that was that became a classic that Teams like Sotkamo, when they when they went to Koskenkorva, they knew that they had 
to be at their absolute prime to get anything out of there and and now when i take a look at the last two or three years it's been like uh, sorry for the figure of speech but it's been like yes you have had like occasional like glimpses of uh <laughs> how should i say it uh well rays of sunshine or something like that but uh it, it more it's been more like watching watching my dog when he started to limp like i was hoping that it would heal but then it just got worse so <laughs> it's it was like i was waiting that okay yeah okay it's just a matter of time but but now they they actually did something like radical so they let a lot of players go and the players wanted to go and now it's a fresh start it may take them to Kaspersis but who knows I mean I actually think that this is a move that will if this will not take those people back to the stands then I don't know if anything else than, than playing for the championship will that is my thing that now they are appealing to the hearts of the people from that village so let's see if it works yeah well i i have them still around that kind of 11th or 12th marker in in uh, in the regular season I, I think that's probably where they'll they'll stay um but as i said uh, in our episode um last time We'll we'll work on our our overall predictions and we'll go through them properly in our last preview, because um, you know recording one episode every two weeks, lots of things can change. Um, we'll see how that all pans out. But our final team in this group, um, who went through a bit of a uh, a crisis last year, um, Yumiusit. They managed to not only drag themselves off the bottom of the table, but they they actually finished a, a pretty decent um, in the table, considering where they were um, in ninth. Um, this year now, we've seen uh, players like uh, Tara Dunella uh, leave. Uh, he's gone to uh, Senio and Maile Yusit. Um, Jona Lehtinen has gone to uh, Kite as well. A couple of people uh, coming up from Urkespes' teams, uh, Viti Ketonen uh, and uh, Justus Teppo from uh, Mailiusset, and then uh, three players then from uh, Lippo. Uh, and then, of course, we've got uh, Tony Latvala from Koskan Korva. So, uh, this is going to be an interesting year again for for Yumiusit. They've they've still got a fair few players who who are okay. Um, vying for the playoffs probably isn't really on the cards, but they they should make it out of that sort of real relegation fight if all things go well. It's the if all things go well part that worries me. 
Um, but Miko, where do you see this team in 2023? I have actually given this a thought uh, over a past couple of days or weeks, and I wouldn't put it past them to be a bit of a surprise package, to be honest, because this we need to remember that this is a very very young team and now they have now they have a super pesis team now they have they have a pesis team before last season the situation was that they have 17 or 18 players in their ranks and when i was talking with the game manager Josip Parvi he uh, i i know him very well from uh, when we coached like in the same uh, well, same division for juniors for this very same junior players for example Terautun and I was one of them one of those players then but um, he said it well that their that player pool was not like ready yet but we they have some they have some players who have that extra potential and we have seen actually that come to life already and they have stayed there and now they have a path from the juniors all the way to superpasses if they manage to sustain that and if they manage to still get the best out of the players that they have remaining and by the way the the new pitcher Keskipetaja, who has been a bit of a revelation in some games over the win- winter, and he has good qualities. So then, I mean, I'm not saying that they are a playoff team, but I would say that should they get, like, <sighs> if they manage to keep their, at least their runners, like their point runners healthy i think that this team has sufficient quality in their ranks to avoid relegation uh like they did it if you just take a look at the table they did it in the end they did it quite comfortably but if you take a if you take a look at last season, it was like one month before the regular season ended. Uh, I don't. They were not dead last, but they were fighting with Kankampa. And then in the end, they were like getting wins from here and there and finishing ninth. So I would say that that's about the level I would put them at at this point. There, there was a real difference in, in sort of skill level between the Senioki side uh, last year and Kankampa, and yet for most of the season they were pretty much pegging at, at the bottom of the, um, the table. It'll be interesting to see how these players grow. They, they were so close on, on so many occasions early on in the season to pick up points here and there, even against big teams. And I, I spoke to um, Tero Tunella, um about this in the podcast uh, last year. It was incredible to, to see how close they could get. And the, the, 
there's there's sparks there. There's something there that they can make something. But the thing for me is, I think certainly from I don't know position seven up in the table, those teams have all been making some big strides forwards, and I I don't see that yet from Yumiusit. I know they're in a very difficult position in and very different position to those other teams. Um, but I do see them as as a front runner to avoid relegation, if I could put it that way. That's a good way to put it. I think that 2023 is the season for them to uh I I wouldn't to say to tread water, but uh to make like uh to get these players to give them time to develop, to give them time and responsibility and still like see where it goes from there. Can they build the organization from there? Because like you said right now, uh, the top seven, maybe if Kita stays healthy, maybe top eight is he's not if it's not locked, it's close. But but this is a team that can make they can they can raise some eyebrows. And that would be the thing that would be sufficient for me from them this year. So that concludes our men's teams from Group B. We'll take a short break now uh, before we uh, preview the women's Group B teams. Okay, uh, so welcome back. Uh, now we're previewing our women's Group B teams, uh, starting with uh, Ferra from Rauma. Um, a few names uh, popping up here. Uh, we've seen uh, Hannah Sorminen from uh, Vasa, Yasmin Andreasen from Mansa. Um, they're, the, they're sort of key signings as, as I see it. A couple of players leaving. Um, as well, Emma Hakala, uh, gone to uh, Kankampa's Urkespesis uh, team, and uh, yeah, Matlina Rate has gone to Huvinka as well. It's it's an interesting side, Ferrer. I'm not sure they're they're making m- massive leaps forward uh, this year. Um, their Harley SM games didn't really reveal a lot as far as I was concerned. Um, but Mika, what do you think about Ferrer's chances this year? Mid-playoff spot? Mid-playoff spot is is about right. Uh, at times, last year, they were playing some some really like high-quality baseball. And they... They, they they really did like us used the term raising eyebrows but at some point they looked like that they are a, they are a, the real deal so to say uh, 
And now when I take a look at the players at their disposal, I don't see that they would slide down the table. I mean they get they 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 had quality players last year, they have quality players this year. Henna uh, Suominen is coming home. She's from Rauma originally and now she's coming back. Uh, and pitching was a major bonus for them uh, last year. And still we need to remember that, for example, now now in the in the Halle SM games, they they use two pitchers who are 19 and 16 years old. And this is a club that is renowned for their youth and the work that they do with the, with the youth and the youngsters that come through their ranks. But they only have one bronze medal in in women's superpasses throughout the decades at this point but uh, challenging for the semi-finals Ooh, it's early doors but <laughs> seems like a bridge too far to me but they they i will i will really be paying attention to their games uh especially like early on in the season that what kind of a an impression impression that team will give and uh and yeah but they will uh i will say it here and now that they will win some uh top teams at home that uh, you can write it down yeah yeah i i i was i was looking at their their results um just now and it was a pretty pretty close game against uh, against Pori in in the Holly SM. Um, it, it, all it's going to take is just a couple of close games here and there, a few points here and there, and and they will maybe give us a, a few surprises in the season. But of course, when when I look overall at the teams ahead of them in the table from last year, and I look at how they've made improvements and changes i i can't see ferra getting any higher than than the fifth or sixth mark um but it'll be be a very interesting season from them i have no doubt they are an interesting team and they 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 are the kinds of teams they they are a kind of a team that this Women's superpasses needs in in twenty twenty three, and uh, now that they they do have some lessons to learn from last year. And if, anyhow, I mean, uh, when you take a look at when the, when were they actually at their best? Of course, it's like everything affects everything and there's no one thing or one reason for 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 anything but uh during the regular season yes 
everything looked fine. Um, and then, okay, they, it was tough luck that uh, when they reached the playoffs, who did they get? The rejuvenated Kiritare. And that was like... <laughs> That was not pretty. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, three games, uh, 27 scores against two. This is 27 runs against two. So that was like, the total score in three games against Kiritare. So that was the gulf between game teams number three and six. And now if we're talking about like they do need to be at their best, they need to stay healthy and they need some luck. And in that way, they could make it higher than fifth in my ranks. But that's like five, six, not, not lower than that, but not higher than that. So moving then from uh, Ferra to uh, Pesakarhut uh, from Puri, obviously the big uh, the big story was uh, Susanna Poistel uh, retiring. Um, we also saw some some players leave the club. A couple of players going to uh, Monza, for example, uh, Kira Kalto uh, and uh, Maya Vastamaki. Um, we also saw uh, Ella Kusistam going to Roihu and Rina Korkemaki uh, going to um, Maliusit as well. A couple of players coming in uh, Annika Lina, uh, Celia Suriala, and uh, Sara Koivikko uh, from Kempele, Maliusit, and Sipe, respectively. So some sort of sideways moves there, some some interesting changes, no blockbuster signings, no big um, and significant names coming uh, to the fore there. For me, I see Pori as sort of dropping away perhaps a little bit from the top two, um, as I see it at the moment. Mika, what's your thoughts on Pori? I don't really get a hold of that team at this point. I mean, it's uh, the organization is just amazing, and they have been preparing for like Susana Pusto's eventual uh, retirement, and Paulina Harinen will take her place now. And let's see, she was amazing in Hubinka. Uh, the year before that, in last year, she was kind of playing second fiddle, but now she's the one who is taking charge. Uh, sideways moves, an excellent term, yes, and that that is exactly what they made. I mean, they of course they go to every game with the hung, uh, so-called hunger, and of course they want to win every game, and of course they want to win the championship. But like, uh, and of course they need to kind of stay healthy. But it just just to put it short, uh, 
when they made some major changes to the team two years ago, they were supposed supposed to quote unquote uh, challenge for the championship in the in the first year and then be a real contender last year. But they actually won the championship <laughs> in the first <laughs> during the first year, and. And that's why it's kind of hard to get a grasp of where they are right now and where are they heading. And like I I know that they will stay as a top four team for probably as long as I live if their organization keeps on going like that. Uh, I mean it's a it's a well-oiled machine and uh, also the the Friday night games in Pori are a thing in Pesapalo, which is like in women's superpasses and in women's team sports in Finland, by the way, that is saying something. But, but yeah, I don't know. One, two, three. Who, who knows? But... Uh, Never ever ruled them out. Well, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people thought that they weren't championship ready in 2021 and um, they thought it was Kiritaretz for the taking, but, you know, Pori proved everybody wrong there. I, I love the organization and I love the, the club. They're just so passionate the fans are really passionate and as an organization like you say they're they're always going to be at or about the top if they can turn that passion into results and they seem to be able to do that but i like you i i see this team as a, a little hard to figure out on paper where where they stand overall where they're going um as i say for me perhaps lost some ground on teams like uh, Mons and Kiritaret. Um But we'll see. We'll see how, how they uh, play out in the year. So our final uh, team in our Group B is uh, Hüvink and Tarko. So uh, Tarko, we saw a, a few um, players leave. Um, uh, Evelina Rantanen uh, to Kiritaret. Uh, Ina Valke Jarvin for uh, Varsa, uh, Siri Leiner for um, Vermansa, and of course uh, Vilma Makara for Royhoom. In their place, um, a couple of uh, Royhu players uh, came, uh, Vilma Hapala, and of course the big name to leave Royhu, as I mentioned in the last episode, Lotta Numakari as well. We also saw uh, Matlina Rata as well as I mentioned before from Ferra. Um Mikko, do you think these signings are enough for, for Tarko to stay in that uh, that uh, playoff group? I know there were certain points in the season last year they looked pretty poor. Their performances had dropped off. Some of their um, consistency wasn't there. Do you think this is going to be enough to keep them, them in that... Uh, playoff spots a lot of changes a lot of changes if we're talking about teams that is uh, a bit hard to grasp 
I think that stability will not be a thing that we will be connecting this team with. I, I mean, I think that they have quality players. You mentioned the names, and they, they do have some. They do have players like who can who can make a difference. But then again, I don't know if they have such. Like uh, if we if we take fifteen players from from Taco, which they will need the Taco lady, uh, then I don't know what the case is anymore because their top players are good. They are they are good enough to play for a playoff spot and we can let's say that a lot has changed but I wouldn't be surprised if the game has not changed a lot because last year we saw some results that I was like what I mean you you won against who and then you conceded how many runs i mean it was at, at times it was ridiculous like both ways but so uh that's my take yeah i mean i'm just looking at the last season results now and and the first one to to strike me is 18th of may um, first Yak, so 2-3 lost to Mansa. Okay, not so bad. And then the second Yak, so 20 nothing <laughs> was the scoreline to Mansa. And you think, yeah, okay, that's quite big. And then uh, that, that was at home. So I, I know, and I, I, I go on about it all the time, about the big sweeping outfield that Piccola. Um, but yeah, Mansa just made light work of that. And I, I, mm, I think they will be in the playoffs again this year. Um, some interesting moves. It's more completely shaking up and, and, and starting with something different from, from last year, especially with, with changing pitcher. Um, I I think they've got the material to stay in the playoffs, so I'm, I'm probably going to say they'll, they'll finish maybe seventh, but possibly eighth. Um, overall there yeah that's sounds sounds about right i mean those changes that they made they have they have high potential but i think that this is a very much of a like a low ceiling sorry low floor high ceiling kind of a team and i'm saying high ceiling uh, in terms of individual games, not as in like as a complete season, but uh, but still, I mean, they they have players in at the key places when, that when they get their groove on, they can they can beat some uh, like like we saw last year. They can beat some top teams, but uh, 
consistency that will be the challenge. Well, that was that was certainly something we talked about with the the men's team <laughs> with Tarko in the last couple of years as well. So um, maybe it's uh, something within <laughs> the organization overall. But there we are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just about to say that uh, when when we will go to the prediction and when we will reach Huvinka, no matter if it's men or women, just like I said in the last episode, I would just let Ron do my prediction because <laughs> whatever he says was well, his yeah. <laughs> his guess is. I, I wouldn't say as good as mine. It's it's probably better because, but yeah, yeah. So he can be my. Uh, we can we can make a like a thing out of it that like uh, make a Ron Bronson esque uh, predict prediction, and uh, and yeah, I would like I would actually like that, but but yeah, yeah. Well, it's a shame Ron couldn't be here today. It was his birthday recently as well, so I was going to wish him a happy birthday in person. But um, um, yeah, there we are. So that'll just about do it for uh, this episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, I want to thank my co-host, Mikkel Pirhonen. Thank you. Pleasure as always. And if somebody catches this up, and even if you don't catch up, uh, we're actually recording this at uh, before Easter. So I just uh, wish everybody a happy springtime, so to say. And uh, it's only five weeks and we're getting games off in Finland and even before that in Spain. So people, we're <laughs> the season is season is just behind the corner indeed and uh, from me Ian Alba thank you very much for listening if you've liked what you've heard then please do like or subscribe to the podcast heck even leave us a comment we would love to hear from you if you want to follow some of uh, my writings uh, you can follow the blog that's superpessisroundup.wordpress.com or you can follow me on Twitter or on Facebook at SuperPessisR. But for now, we'll see you soon. If you've got something that's hidden far away